Are you searching for a meaningful way to further your career in international development? As you set new goals for 2021 and beyond, consider Seton Hall University's Executive Graduate Program in International Affairs. Attending a webinar is the perfect way to learn how you can customize your studies by specializing your research in areas such as global health security, conflict management, and more. As a graduate candidate, you would receive access to one-on-one faculty mentorship, career workshops, international seminars, and discussions with global leaders on campus, at the UN headquarters in New York, and in Washington, D.C. And the program is flexible. You can study full-time or part-time and online or on campus in New Jersey, just 14 miles from New York City. To learn more or sign up for a webinar, click the link in our episode description. Hi, I'm Casey Candela. And I'm Stephanie Fillion, and welcome to Unscripted. Today, 2021 shapes up to be a big year for Britain's foreign policy post-Brexit, as it takes the reins of the Security Council with a new ambassador, and hosts the G7 and COP26 in Glasgow. This is Unscripted, a podcast taking you inside the United Nations and beyond the scripted debates to the people at the heart of it all, the diplomats and the reporters covering them. On today's show, you'll get to know Britain's newly arrived ambassador to the UN, Barbara Woodward, who was recently the UK's ambassador to China. She'll tell us how her new job compares with Beijing and how staying fit helps her get through the tense diplomatic negotiations. We also have on the show one of the UN's most popular and witty commentators in New York, Richard Gowan, a UN expert at the International Crisis Group and a Brit himself. I was at a hospital the other night where I think there were, a few, there were actually a few coronavirus uh, patients and I shook hands with everybody, uh, you'll be pleased to know, and, and I continue to shake hands. And uh, uh, I think Over the past year, the tone of British Prime Minister Boris Johnson couldn't have changed more from saying he shook everybody's hand in a hospital full of COVID patients to a far more somber message last week as Britain's COVID-19 death toll surpassed 100,000. It's hard to compute the sorrow contained in that grim statistic. The years of life lost, the family gatherings not attended, and for so many relatives, the mischance even to say goodbye. I offer my deepest condolences to everyone who's lost a loved one. Britain has the world's highest death per capita ratio of the COVID-19 pandemic, and is also home to one of the recent virus mutations that is, according to British health officials, more virulent and more contagious. I think it's tough. I mean, it's tough for me to watch it in the UK, and it's tough to watch those numbers around the world. That's the voice of UK ambassador to the UN, Barbara Woodward. And I know that we've had a series of lockdowns in the UK. I was in the UK in November preparing to come to New York and experience some of the lockdown restrictions firsthand. 
And like everybody, I had hoped after five and a half years in China to be able to catch up with friends in person. That wasn't possible, but that was nothing like some of the constraints some people faced when they couldn't see uh, elderly and dying relatives and family members. So it's taken a huge toll on society. But I think the upbeat part of the news is that we are making good progress in the UK with the rollout of vaccines. Obviously, we were at the forefront of vaccine development with our Oxford AstraZeneca program. Ambassador Woodward says she wants to stay optimistic and is looking forward. After all, 2021 is a critical year for Britain to show the world what global Britain really is now that Brexit is a fait accompli. And Britain can't rely on its European neighbors as much as it used to in so many ways, such as in trade. I think the UK really sees this year as an opportunity to help shape global events. So we have our Security Council presidency coming up in February. We take over the chair of the G7 uh, this year and we're chairing COP and we're a strong advocates of multilateralism. We were very clear about that during the Secretary General's visit to London earlier this month. And my foreign secretary is very committed to being a force for good in the world. So it's fair to say that 2021 could be the breakout year for what the UK's foreign office likes to call global Britain. Here's Richard Gowen. Since Brexit, there has been a really strong desire in London, but also very much amongst officials here, to emphasize that Britain remains a good multilateralist, that it is still a player in New York and Geneva. And COVID-19 is, is an area where I think London has a very good opportunity to show that, both through supporting the WHO's technical work on issues like vaccine, but also in the Security Council by flagging the linkages between COVID and conflict, which was something that became very sensitive in, in the Trump era, but really should just be common sense. I think that although the UK has been criticised uh, in the last year for walking back from some of its development commitments, London's understanding of the pandemic is still ultimately quite internationalist. I, I think, you know, the default mode in UK policy remains to look for the global dimensions of problems and to try and work with the wider international community on, on dealing with challenges like COVID-19. So while COVID-19 remains a serious challenge at home, this year presents an opportunity for Britain to prove that it's still a crucial Western ally. Britain has been one of the most generous countries when it comes to the COVAX initiative, an international partnership with the World Health Organization aimed at distributing vaccines fairly to countries that don't necessarily have the means to buy the vaccines themselves. In February, during the council's presidency, Britain will hold a meeting on the links between COVID-19 and conflicts around the world. Here's Ambassador Woodward. We've talked about covid and because this is the Security Council, we want to look at the security implications. Last year, the Secretary General called for a global COVID ceasefire. That didn't work out, but we want to come back to that sort of issue and look at the question of getting vaccines into vulnerable conflict societies, humanitarian situations. Again, partly because everybody needs to be vaccinated. We don't want to leave anyone behind, but there's no reason that people who are already vulnerable should be made more vulnerable because of COVID. So we'll try and look at 
that particular aspect of COVID and vaccine security during our presidency. That'll be the first thing. But while being generous with COVAX has a humanitarian rationale, it's also a pragmatic decision. Here's Ambassador Woodward on this. So I think it's important for two reasons. The first is the obvious moral reason. There's no reason for anyone to get the vaccine before anyone else. But the other one is the purely practical reason that none of us is safe until all of us are safe. And so for those two reasons, the UK, which is a very large global humanitarian donor, has not only made our own contribution to COVAX, but last September, Prime Minister Johnson put out a challenge that we would match fund donations to COVAX. And we managed to reach the target of securing a billion dollars of donations in January. Another major priority for Britain is climate and security, a theme that could recur in the council in 2021 with Washington's renewed commitment to climate change. We're hosting the Climate COP, COP26 in Glasgow at the end of the year. And we want, again, because it's the Security Council, to use the opportunity for a discussion about the security aspects of climate. And it's pretty clear you know, how that works. You have a climate disaster that can trigger famine, that can trigger conflict, and lo and behold, you've got a challenge to international peace and security. So we'll use our Security Council presidency to do that. I think that my prime minister will probably chair that meeting towards the end of uh, February. So that will be very important. That will be a high level uh, ministerial event. When talking about Britain, it's also important to discuss who are the country's closest allies. After the Brexit vote, many speculated that the UK would get closer and closer to the US. But the reality was that some policies of the Trump administration forced Britain to stay closer to its European allies. Now that Joe Biden is president, we'll see what happens. Here's Richard Gowan on this. The natural British approach at the UN is always to stay as close as possible to the US. But over the last year since Brexit, and with the Trump administration taking increasingly difficult positions on Iran and COVID-19, the UK discovered that it couldn't simply line up with the Americans. And what we saw through 2020 was actually on Iran, for example, the UK working closely with France and Germany to limit the Trump administration's efforts to kill off the Iranian nuclear deal. And on the response to COVID, the UK was working closely with the WHO and other friends of the WHO, like France, to try and maintain a coordinated response to the disease, while Trump was boycotting the WHO and then actually announcing that the US would withdraw. So over the last year, I think it's been very difficult for the UK to sort of side with the Americans. Now, with the arrival of the Biden administration, I think that London and the UK mission in New York see an opening to rebuild ties with the US, as many other powers in in New York do, and to work with the US on issues like climate change or rebooting the international response to the pandemic that are popular at home and also popular with the new administration. And when she talked with us, Ambassador Woodward did not hide her enthusiasm about the US re-engaging at the UN. 
I think we certainly want to work closely with the United States. President Biden has already had a conversation with Prime Minister Johnson. Foreign Secretary Raab has had a conversation with State Secretary Blinken. So those connections are already being made. But we've also got very strong connections with European partners. So the E3 have been working closely on uh, Iran questions. You'll have seen the statement that we put out when Iran announced its intentions to increase its enrichment. So I think there's strong relations with Europe. My foreign secretary has just been to Ethiopia and Sudan, so been out in Africa. So I think we are a truly global player still, and we'll be seeking to work closely with all partners that we can in order to deliver results that are good for the security and prosperity of the UK, but also good for global progress too. There will also be the monthly Security Council meetings on Syria, Yemen, Libya, Somalia, Iraq, and the topic of counterterrorism. We'll take a short break, but stay tuned. After, we'll get to know Ambassador Barbara Woodward. Are you looking for a talk show featuring leading global voices? Do you want to learn more about how international issues directly affect people locally? Global Connections Television presents the insights of global influencers at no cost to viewers and programmers. GCTV is independently produced and reaches more than 70 million potential viewers worldwide each week. The show covers everything from human rights to climate change, from peace and security to empowering women and girls. It features guests such as Dr. Jane Goodall, former UN High Commissioner for Human Rights Mary Robinson, and Peter Yarrow of Peter, Paul, and Mary. The show also hosts expert voices from the private sector, academia, and labor and environmental movements. GCTV is available to public television media outlets, universities, and service clubs for distribution. To watch the show or find out more, click the link in our episode description. Now, back to the show. So my learning curve is still pretty vertical, but I'm still being hugely helped by colleagues here in the mission, by my fellow perm reps, by colleagues in the United Nations and around the world. So I'm still learning a lot and learning fast and really enjoying it. Before being posted at the UN, Ambassador Woodward was Britain's ambassador to China. So her job in New York is very different. And of course, it's almost completely different from China, because China is a huge, for the UK, bilateral job. So I was running a mission of about 1,500 staff spread across five offices. But all of us focused on various aspects of the UK-China relationship. And here in New York, I've got more than 190 counterparts to get to know. I've got an agenda that ranges across the whole of foreign policy, but all of my staff are notionally concentrated here in the mission, although, of course, we're still doing a lot of remote working because of COVID. So it's a really interesting change and coming at a time of huge, wider change. Richard Gowen believes that Woodward's appointment is telling about Britain's approach to China and the world. I think it was very interesting that London chose a former ambassador to China to come to the UN, because one of the biggest trends 
we have seen in UN diplomacy in the last few years has been the Chinese becoming much more assertive and much more influential, both in development diplomacy, but also increasingly in the Security Council. Now, the UK mission has sided with the US and with other allies like Germany in raising concerns about China's growing influence and also criticizing the Chinese for their treatment of the Uyghurs in UN forums. So it's a a highly sensitive relationship. I think that in choosing Barbara Woodward, London has signaled that they see the UN both as a place to try and engage with the Chinese. And there are topics such as climate change, where the UK still does really want to work with Beijing but also to keep a close eye on what the Chinese are doing and how they're expanding their influence on the world stage. And Ambassador Woodward does not deny that the UK's decision to appoint her to the UN was strategic. So I'm sure my foreign ministry always makes strategic decisions. But in this case, it certainly was an overlap between a job that I am thrilled and honoured to have and a question of strategy. So I think there are two types of things that I learned in China. So China, as you know, was my first ambassador job. So I learned a lot about diplomacy. I've been a diplomat now for 30 years, but you learn a lot when you're actually in charge of the mission and working as an ambassador. So there's all of the things that I learned about diplomacy that I bring now to this more complex multilateral setting. And then there's all of the things that I have learned about China, not just when I was ambassador, but actually I first went to China in 1986 as an English teacher. So I've spent more than 12 years of my life in China. And let's be honest, the rise of China, I think, is the biggest geopolitical question of the 21st century. How do we work with China bilaterally and in the multilateral system? And, you know, I have a bit of experience of that, and I'm trying to use that as well as the other experience I have. I have a posting in Russia. I have some experience of working in the EU. So I bring all of that to this new job here at the United Nations. Ambassador Woodward was the first woman to ever be appointed British ambassador to China. She is not the first woman ambassador to the UN in New York, but her appointment as UN ambassador is still significant. With her nomination, the Brits' North American team became all-female. Ken Pierce, the former UN permanent representative, was promoted to Washington, and the ambassadors to Canada and Mexico are also women. Ambassador's Woodward vision of being a woman ambassador means helping other women rise. She also takes that vision to the council. And I took the opportunity there to try and raise the profile and support women in China who were thinking through some of these issues about balancing career and family and how to realize their own personal life ambitions. So we did some work for women themselves and running workshops, which we did through an organization we set up called Inspiring Women. And we also did programs in schools and programs with business. So trying to open up the debate in China about uh, what it means to be a woman and have ambition and to try and fulfill that ambition, whatever it is. Here at the UN, I've been made very welcome. There's a group of women PRs, which is great. There are, I think, now four women on the Security Council. I think the record is six. And I think we should keep pushing because you look at the Security Council now and 
with the arrival of India, it represents about 3.5 billion people in the world. So that's quite representative. But with only four women, you're not really drawing on your full diversity in the world. So I think it's really important that we continue to push in those areas and bring the complementary skills and attitudes that half the world's population has. So when she's not having a cup of tea with her team or practicing her Chinese or Russian with her colleagues, Ambassador Woodward can be spotted running or swimming as sports are a passion of hers. She's even considering joining the UN's famous diplomatic running club. For her, sports are not only a hobby, but a way to help her in her diplomatic duties. I was in China for the Olympics in 2008. I was in London for the Olympics in 2012. So I'm a bit passionate about the Olympics and sport. The UN Running Club does still exist. Jonathan, my deputy and who was acting permanent representative until I arrive, is a very active member of the Perm Reps Running Club. I'm not such a good runner, so maybe I'll need to improve a bit before I join them, but I'd like to do that. But sport, I think for me, plays a really important role. And it's a sort of combination of contradictory things. So partly it's just about fitness. And the fitter I am, the more resilience I have when we get into tough negotiations, we have to work long hours sometimes. And so I think that fitness and that stamina is really important. But it's also at the same time, I think very relaxing. So I can go for a run or go for a swim, or at the moment I'm doing a bit of work on my rowing machine. And it's quite relaxing to switch off and think about something else altogether. So I think that's helpful. And I think just the discipline of sport and the skill helps strengthen your creative thinking, your your ability to reach goals, set targets. All of those things are quite useful in work. So I'm a big fan of sport or whatever people want to do to relax. That's it for our show. This episode was co-produced by me, Casey Candela, and Stephanie Filion for Pass Blue, an independent women-led media site covering the United Nations and global affairs. Dulcie Leimbach is our editor. Ivana Ramirez is our intern. AI Digital created our podcast logo, and our music is by Poddington Bear. A lot happens at the UN beyond what we report in each episode of Unscripted, and Passblue is covering the important news, from women's rights to human rights to Washington's new approach to the UN. For day-to-day coverage, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And to subscribe to our newsletter, go to passblue.com. Unscripted is available wherever you find podcasts. If you like today's show, please rate us on iTunes and share with all your friends.